That's why there's some anger out there. There's anger because they feel like there's oppression. There's anger because they feel like, well, how come they're all getting promoted or all these people are coming and they haven't been in the country as long as we have and they're all, they're all getting looked at differently than we are. We're looked at differently because of the color of our skin. That's where I would like to see that end. I just think that, no, I think opportunity should exist for everyone. We should have an equal playing field. I've always felt that way for all people. Yeah. I'm Bill McMinn, Senior Pastor of Beagleville Bible Church, and this is the Way to Go podcast, and we are about faith, family, and daily life. We're about taking God's Word, breaking it down, making it practical to everyday living, and we love to do it. Now, if you want to watch the show, you can actually go to Eagleville Bible Church. Just go to YouTube, type in Eagleville Bible Church. You will find it on the Way to Go playlist. But again, faith, family, and daily life. This is what we're all about. Back here with the Way to Go podcast with my buddy Steve Sargent talking about racism today. And uh, boy, there's a lot to cover. So we're doing actually multiple podcasts this week, more than normal. And it's okay. Number one, let me, let me just go over a couple things. I'm sad about what happened to George Floyd. I'm yes. sad about the riots. I'm sad about any businesses getting destroyed, burned out, people getting shot, killed. It's a disaster. But, you know, what I'll hear back is there's a lot of heart. Uh, a lot of hurt, a lot of heartache, mm-hmm. and that's why people are so angry. So they're lashing out because we're not listening. They took a knee four years ago. We're not listening. We're not listening that there are problems and there are issues. So I think that some of those issues are only going to be corrected as we change our thinking, and we have mm-hmm. to line up our thinking with the Bible. The Bible teaches that all men are created in the image of God. Yes. That we are all one in Christ. That is clearly the teaching of Scripture. Now, there is a thinking out there sometimes that black people do not have equal opportunity and they're not. I guess I would like you to share about mm. your family oh. and, and either either say that's true or debunk it mm. or whatever well, you want to do. Go ahead. Uh, you know, that's kind of almost like an, a generic term to say black people don't have equal access. There are some who do and there are probably a lot who do. And there are some who don't right. have equal access to a number of things or maybe even the knowledge of how to obtain it. Right. So that is an issue. It's an issue on both sides, but it, it is an issue. My family is, was, was different, not without struggle, um, but I was blessed to have a mom and dad at home, which wasn't always easy. I, I mentioned before, my father suffered. He was a World War II veteran. And I'm sure, though he was never diagnosed, that he had PTSD. What, what was his role in World War II? Well, my dad's role in the war, he, he was in the South Pacific. Okay. But his job was, his primary job was he actually drove around a lot of the higher commanders. He was their driver. You know, you see. Oh, him. that's one of the most dangerous jobs out there. And then, but yeah. he, his ship was torpedoed on the way to the Philippines. Okay. So my dad. He, he managed to uh, survive, but he lost his best friend who he grew up with. Okay. Um, my dad got off the ship, and his best friend was trapped behind the door. He couldn't get out. My father had nightmares for 65 years. Wow. Up until including the night before he died. Right. And I don't mean just waking up. Waking up, running, hiding, the whole nine. Right. He never had any treatment. He never, and I'm not saying that there was none available. Right. It, it wasn't something you did. Right. Especially when he was discharged in 1945. You didn't. Right. Like, I think I need to go talk to somebody. No, you didn't. You know what you did? You went and got a drink and you talked to the drink. Right. My father drank excessively. Okay. He was a functional alcoholic until I was probably about three or four when he stopped. I never knew he, because he drank because he wouldn't. When I came along, because I'm the youngest, 
he wouldn't be drunk around us. Right. But prior to me, he had some episodes. He almost killed my mom before. I mean, I could just go on with horrific stuff. But I will tell you this. Let me put this in as a disclaimer. What saved my family was my mother's relationship with Jesus Christ. She came to know him at an early, early on in their marriage, a few years after they got married. And um, she made him the center of her life. And that's how she raised us. And even when he was non-compliant, her relationship with him eventually brought my father to that, that right. way. So that saved us. And I preached a sermon once in Southern Ohio, the church saved my life. And what I'm right. saying in essence, Jesus saved my life. Everything we didn't, my parents didn't know. My father never, he only had a third grade education. My mom was one of the smartest people I ever met. Even to this day, she made it all the way to the 11th grade. And she had to drop out because her, her grandparents raised her and her grandfather died. So then she had to help out, you know, so she had to drop out to go to work and what have you. So, but I, all my homework at school, she, she helped me. I right. still can't do some of the math that my mother did, you know, from an 11th grade education. Right. She was a great woman, but she loved Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. My personality, as far as me being a people person, my mother, the comedian side was my mom, my dad too. My dad was a practical joker and what right. he was a pleasant man when he wasn't dealing with the stuff that he he was fighting. Well, he nobly served. I mean, in World War II, yes. I mean, this man nobly served. Absolutely, he, he nearly lost his life for right. his country. Yet he comes back from World War II. Mm -hmm. He lives, was in Mississippi, discharged. Mississippi, right, and came to Ashtabula County mm -hmm. to escape oppression, right. he, racism. He, he moved right. initially. He moved to uh, uh, Missouri. My mom was from Southern Missouri. Okay. My dad came from a huge family. There were fifteen in his family. Wow, uh, brothers and sisters. And um, one of my dad's uncles and a couple of his aunts moved from their area to southern Mississippi, uh, Missouri. Right. And my dad moved there, got a job on the railroad after he, because he didn't want to go back to Mississippi right. for obvious reasons. And he went to southern Missouri, wasn't much better, but it was better. Right. He, that's how he met my mom. My mom went to school with some of my father's cousins and so on. So they ended up hooking up. They got married. And my uncle, my dad's uncle, my great uncle, moved to Ashtabula, got a job at one of the factories that are now closed by Lakeshore Park. Okay. And uh, so there's about a dozen families that moved from that town to Ashtabula because, you know, they heard about it and went to work and so on. So there were so, job opportunities yes, for black people. they came people here, and, and that's right. why they came. Listen, right. probably I would say more than half of the black people in Ashtabula City, their families' roots come from Mississippi. Either, you know, their mom or dad or grandmother or grandfather from Mississippi. It's the largest single state in the South where we have had the migration of blacks okay. come from um, to uh, Ashtabula. He found an opportunity. <clears throat> they were able to uh, buy a house. You know, they raised us. Um, you know, my dad lost his job. He worked for the tannery. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with yeah. the tannery. Yeah. And, not there anymore. But right. Yeah. And right. they closed like when um, back in the early Late seventies, early eighties, because their biggest contract was with Chrysler, and Chrysler went through that whole mess with okay, before the yep. Iacocca yep. took over, and and they bought out AMC and Dodge and all of them combined. So my father's factory lost their contract. He lost his job. He'd been there twenty five years. So uh, we were living off my mom's income. I thought we were poor. We weren't poor enough to be like on assistance. Right. But you know, all of a sudden you got a household making whatever, and then it's almost like in half. And my, uh, one of my older brothers was gone to college. He just went and, um, it was just before my sister, um, had gone to college too. And then you got your household income as well. But my dad didn't stop. He, uh, he was closer to retirement age. Cause like right. I said, he was old enough to be my grandfather. He started working, um, 
uh, doing janitorial services with a friend of his that owned a company. Okay. And and um, he did that until he was 86 when he finally retired. Wow. So we still, finally, we couldn't get the newer right. car that we would and, get. And I just want to say, that, you know, I just want to point out, yes. he came up here after World War II sure. to work a job. Not to be on government assistance. Right. He came here to work a job. He worked until he was 86 years old. Mm-hmm. He raised six children, you yeah. and your mom. Your mom worked her whole life at the hospital yep. as a cook, right? Yep. She's a great She's cook, cook, as you said. Right. right, head cook. And then there are six of you. What are, you, what are your brothers and sisters? Who, how many brothers, how many sisters? Well, I have, my father has two other kids besides the six of us. Okay. But of the six of us, my oldest brother is in Missouri, outside of Kansas City. He's, he works for a company that he actually started working for here. He's been out there probably 17, 18 years. His daughter went to college out there. My sister and her husband got a job at a college that my sister was, my sister and my uh, niece was going to. Okay. My brother relocated there. Met what does, his he, wife. What does now, he do? He works for uh, an oxygen company. So he, okay. he takes oxygen to hospitals, okay. homes, and he's about ready to retire, but that's what he's done probably a third of his working career. Okay. And uh, my second brother just left his job, he and his wife live move in uh, uh, Tucson, Arizona. Okay. And they're living off of <laughs> the good of the land because she inherited whatever from their family and stuff. Right, so okay. They just moved there about a year ago, and they don't have to work financially. Right. And they're just kind of like trying to figure out which part of town they want to live in. And what. So for the time being, they're just like enjoying whatever, and they'll go back to work at some point, maybe until they retire. Right. And then um, I have a brother that retired from First Energy, took an early retirement, and he was a product of uh, a vocational education okay. uh, in Jefferson now called ATEC. Right. And uh, my sister, one of my sisters is a, a principal, administrator, school system in Wisconsin. Right. And she went to our schools here, went to Kent State main campus. She got her first job at Grand River Academy. Right. Um, so she, she got educated, yeah. and she didn't have a problem with uh, – if your family ever had a problem getting loans, going to college, and no, then to go to college? No, we haven't had problems getting loans unless we were qualified. And right. I don't know of any situation where we really needed a loan or tried to get a house or something that we couldn't. Right. You know, basically because, of like say, like a color of your skin. So you don't feel like you're held back? No, I don't think right. so at all. No, I, I don't – I have not felt that. And I'm not saying now nobody three, else – All right, what's the other one, do? My, she's uh, – my other sister is a – Actually, a um, associate pastor at a ministry in Warren. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, cool. That's what she does. And awesome. She's going to be relocating back to this area, but that's what she does. Well, that I will be pleased to meet her someday. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's pretty so awesome. we're we're kind of a different group, you know. Um, but like I said, our family wasn't perfect. I don't think anybody's is. We had to deal with my dad, and, and I always liked being at home. I wasn't like tormented at home. I didn't mind being at home. Right. I loved being at home. We had, we had people who cared and the church was everything else. Like I didn't see a lot of, um, let me tell you the first minority business owner I ever knew was at my church. The first minority educator I ever knew was at my church. I just thought the world was there at my church. Right. And not only that, cause we were so affiliated with other churches in Cleveland and different parts of the country. That was mo- half of my travel I ever did was for church. Right. So the, the, you know, we, we do a big summer conference. We would be in one next month if we weren't going through the COVID right. in Columbus this year with our international church. And I'm a part of that group that helped organize that and work it. We had already made our plans, did walk through with the convention center and everything and everything just fell through because we had to cancel it. Right. But I met in our youth part of it, the, one of the guys who helped Mark Zuckerberg start Facebook. He's a black guy. 
right. that helped work with him to bring Facebook, which everybody just about has all over the world. Those are the things I grew up seeing. So right. I'm sure there's racism. I trust me. I know there is. Right. But I always saw the other side, the people who learn to overcome in spite of. Right. You don't use it as a crutch because somebody doesn't like you or a door shuts in your face here. There are other doors and there are other opportunities. And there are ways for you to take a stand and to make sure that this the next generation doesn't have to suffer maybe like you did. Right. That's the way I was raised. Right. That's what I saw. My first pastor at birth was only two months older than my father. He was a World War II vet. He was our pastor. He came from Cleveland to pastor our church here. He was my hero. He was promoted from being our pastor to being the district over in our jurisdictions in Ohio. Uh -huh. He left when I was a kid, but then he assigned me as a teenager to be the youth pastor, assistant youth pastor for all of our churches in Ohio and our jurisdiction. So I've always had a, had a good relationship with him. He was a great businessman. He was the first like black real estate broker in Ashtabula County. He did those things. Right. That's what I saw. And he wasn't held back. No, right. and, he, and he had, I'm sure, some doors shut in his face. Right. I'm sure he had some racial things to deal with. In fact, when our church started in Ashtabula in, in the late 1950s, a stranger, I don't know who that was, came by, this is what I was told, I wasn't born, and told our pastor that a church like this will never last. I'll give you guys six months. Right. We're 60-whatever years old now. Yeah, and not awesome. only that, several churches have grown out of our church. Right. So those things don't stop you just because somebody doesn't like you or maybe you feel or have been discriminated against. You can't let it stop you. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some government rules. Like some of the things I heard you talk about, not only in this podcast, but the one we did prior, I'm listening to and I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, that's, that's just a typical problem a lot of people face, whether there's some type of financial hardship or you lose a job, yeah. your company closed down. Uh, I remember I could not get a fixed loan on my house because of government rules and my bank actually told me what bank I could go to, to get a fixed loan because yeah. I thought it was the craziest thing. I had too much land. Really? I had too much <laughs> land. And so I actually had more collateral and they wanted me to go and, and survey it off and because of government regulations and it had nothing to do with being black or white, right. I, but I could not get a fixed rate loan from my own bank. So I had to go to another bank and they told me which bank to go to. And I got the loan. Like you said, it was a door shut in my face. It mm -hmm. wasn't, certainly wasn't racial. It was just, right. Government bureaucracy, yeah. you know what I mean? This right. is kind of ridiculous. But racial inequality is a disparity in opportunity, a treatment that occurs as a result of somebody's race. Now, I talked to a, a wonderful woman last night who attends our church, and uh, she felt that in her career working over 30-plus years, there were times where she was passed over because she was black. There were mm -hmm. times where she was training white people to be her supervisor when she had she was higher educated, she had a college degree, she had a master's degree, and she was never allowed to enter that. She's been yelled at. She's been told, you get in your place. Mm. And then and, and she responded, and what place would that be? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you saying we're not equal, right? Mm. Because you get in your place. You be quiet. You don't talk to me. Wow. Because why? Because that person was white and she was black. So she said that she has seen some of that. Her own sure. son was uh, told, denied as, as a soldier was denied in Texas to the ability to buy gas at a gas station when they needed him and his buddy needed to buy gas and they're in military uniform mm. as a black man was denied and they had to pray their way to the next exit that they would have enough gas to get there. Uh, and they did and they, they got gas to the next place. It wasn't a problem. So one person place was a problem. It's not all places, but the, obviously the one place was, and there was a few other stories she had like that where, okay, you know, there's definitely, there are times where you're looked down on and she, 
she said, that's why there's some anger out there. There's anger because they feel like there's oppression. There's anger because they feel like, well, how come they're all getting promoted or all these people are coming and they haven't been in the country as long as we have. And they're all, they're all getting looked at differently than we are. We're looked at differently because of the color of our skin. That's where I would like to see that end. I would like to see opportunity being denied just because a person is black or being given to a person just because yes. they're black. Either way it goes. I just think that, no, I think opportunity should exist for everyone. We should have an equal playing field. I've always felt that way for all people. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. We want to level the playing field because ultimately we're going to all prosper when it's leveled. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, and the more prosperity there is, the less problems we're going to have. Yeah. Right. The, to me, honestly, I felt this way for a long time. If I was president of the United States on, on week one of my job, I'd be in the inner cities because I would want to be helping the, the, the black community and figure, hey, what can we do to help? What can we do to you know, end some of the strife that we're seeing and really try to make that a top goal of working on? Because it's, it, we have seen riots. Yeah. If nothing else, Steve, if nothing else, just so it'll end. I mean, we, we've, had, we've had kneeling in the NFL. We've had, you know, obviously there are a lot of people that believe there's inequality. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't a lot of people believing there's inequality, you wouldn't have people taking that knee. That's right. So now either there's, there's either inequality or there's a huge misinformation problem or there's something's going on here right. and it needs to be fixed either way because there's certainly a lot of thinking in that way and there's a lot of anger and stress and strife and anguish and heartache because of these things. And that's where everyone's got to get on the same page. We are all one in Christ. Mm-hmm. We are all created in God's image. There's no difference. A white man, black man, oriental man, Hispanic, man, woman, it doesn't matter. That's right. right? That's the way Christ made us. Right. right. Stereotyping, I think, too, is, is unfortunate. One of the things mm-hmm. I see, Steve, too, is just the, is a tendency to paint with one broad stroke. In other words, like I said in the last podcast, all whites are middle class or rich. All blacks aren't. All whites have this, all blacks don't. Uh, life is not that simple because I can take you to the white community right here in Ashtabula County and show you a lot of disadvantaged people. I've worked with a lot of disadvantaged kids, right, white children yeah. right here in Ashtabula County that don't have parents around them. Their parents are in jail. Parents have been strung out on drugs. Their parents are drunk. No one's paying attention. These kids are running all over the place. They're not clean. They don't have, they, they live in, in situations that are, are mind boggling. Yes. Truly. I've, I've talked to bus drivers and, and little kids, white kids coming on the bus, cockroaches running out of their book bags. Mm-hmm. There's there. I can take you to terrible situations mm-hmm. and inequity everywhere. So it's not fair to say all white people are middle-class and all white people have the same opportunity. That is not true. Right. That is certainly not true. Just like it would be unfair to say all black people, you know, experience this kind of racism. All black. No, but there are pockets of it. Yes. And as long as there's not justice for everybody, there shouldn't be justice, right? We, we should all be concerned about that. And as long as it exists, I think in our thinking, we just got to get our thinking squared away. We are one. Yeah. We are the same. And one thing I want to talk about in the next podcast, too, is, is this we shouldn't look at each other's white and black. We got to stop talking about it. And in these terms, what happened to George Floyd happens to all of us. We're Americans, man. That happened on American soil. There was injustice, man. And it's liberty and justice for all. That is the pledge of allegiance of the United States. Now, we're not going to be serious about that. Then we ought to shut our mouths when that pledge is is uttered. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be saying it if we don't mean it. That's right. right. I agree with you 100%. That's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up, that we are all 
the same in the eyes of God, even in the, you know, the constitution. Right. We are all, all men are created equal. And right. That's one of the things they said in the beginning. And we just want to live by it. Right. So all whites, the, the thing that all whites are racist, whether active or passive, nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's absolute nonsense. I mean, you don't know every white person. You don't know the neighborhoods they've grown in. A lot have grown up in very diverse neighborhoods, and they're, they're used to it. They're fine with it. They don't think a thing about it. All blacks are thugs. That would be the wrong thing to say. All cops are violent and want to, are out to get blacks. Mm-hmm. Wrong. That's right. That's correct. It's, it's just wrong. So I look at that kind of stuff and say, you know, we've got to stop painting with these broad brushes and, and thinking that every cop is this way, every black is this way, every white is this way. That's nonsense. That, mm-hmm. That's not true on every side. It'd be like saying every Republican is this, every Democrat is this, every Christian is this. Every No. No, mm-hmm. there's just no way that could be true. Right. But we do know what the Bible teaches. All men are created equal in God's eyes. All men are created in the image of God. All are one in Christ. We do know that. You've been listening to The Way to Go to Podcast. Hope that you have a great and fantastic week.